When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels, the ship with very few crew on it today, because someone isn't here yet, Mr. Gary Hayes. That was the sound of Gary, who's still on a tube train somewhere near Liverpool Street. So it's just going to be me and the illustrious, most wonderful, magnificent, he can't believe I'm saying all that niceness about him, Mr. Andy Saunders. DG Hayes. DG Hayes. Yes, indeed. That's his new name, DG. And uh, one day we'll explain it to all of you, but Mm. just not now. Yeah. So, yes. um, Where do we start? I suppose we should go back in time. It seems like we've got an awful lot of games going on at the moment, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's an awful lot of games at the moment. So we go, we go back to Carabag last week. Mm-hmm. And um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't somebody get the prediction right? Dan Levine got it right. Dan Levine. He comes in here, waltzes in, haven't seen him for ages, comes out with his 6-0 predictions, and then he goes away again. Amazing. I know, it was, eh? What did you say? I said 4-0. Oh, I think I said 6.5-0. Mm. I think I was pretty close. But uh, it, it was it was well, I think an we, eventful evening. Yeah, we knew they were going to be a pub team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought they were a half-decent pub team. I mean, I think they played well. They played decent football. They played it on the ground. They knocked it about. And didn't you say to me, was it you or was it somebody more intelligent, I'm not sure, that said they could prove a little bit of a problem on the right night at their own place. Yeah, I said that. I thought you'd say that anyway, even if I think it was you. And I think you're right. Look, I, I, because, because they play football and because they knock it about and because they play at pace, you know, the 6,000-mile round trip that Chelsea have got to make over there, uh, you know, and other teams have got to make over there, Roma, Atletico Madrid, um, I, you never know. You wouldn't bet against them springing a surprise, taking points off someone. Yeah. You know, a draw or something. I mean, I don't think that they're complete mugs, and I think they'll be a different proposition at their home ground in Baku. I, I have to say, I love the fact that they had one of those number nines that you only ever see in the opening rounds of the Champions League. A tank. Days. He was an absolute... What was it? Endlove, wasn't it? Endlove, yeah. He was yeah. South African, wasn't was he? Was he any relation to um, Peter Endlove? I don't know. Uh, interesting, isn't it? But, I mean, he was built like a tank. I mean, he was getting the mickey taken out of him. But a couple of times, he made a couple of decent runs. He had one decent shot. I didn't see a lot of the ball, but when he did, he did okay. I thought he was Troy Deeney-like in his um, physique. You know, he had that kind of, had that, that sort of look about Troy him. I think Troy might be a little upset to hear you say mm, that. Troy, I think when Troy came to us in the Cup a couple of seasons ago, we were like, who's this guy? Yeah, you know, true, he was actually. a pro. He didn't look like a Premier League 
center, center forward. He looked, he looked like a throwback kind yeah. of like no, you, no, you're right. Unit. You're right. And uh, yeah, I thought, well, I mean, were you surprised at the team that we had out? I was surprised how strong it was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he might take a little, a few more chances. I mean, I was surprised not to see Charlie Musonda play. And I thought we were, thought he was going to play, but I think, you know, yeah, he'd picked up a few knocks, hadn't he? And, and wasn't a hundred percent, but you know, apart from that, I thought, um, I thought it was a strong team and I think that's the right thing to do. You need to take these, these um, stages of the competition very seriously because it's very important that you get enough points to get through to the to the to the fun stuff, which is the knockout rounds. And um, when you've got three teams that could be on there any given day, be two of the top two sides, you know, Roma and Atletico, who of course drew. Yeah, exactly. Which is a great result for us. And also, it suddenly makes six goals look nice to have in the bank already because yeah. the the stall set out. They know they've got to try and match that. Or beat us both times, you know. So mm. it immediately puts a little bit of pressure on. So I, th- I thought it was good because I think we'd said we we're kind of worried that it could be one of those games whereby Chelsea end up 2 0 and just shut up shop and go, job done, there's the points. But they looked hungry. They looked as though they wanted to score goals and and they, they played well and kept up the intensity. And it was still it was still pretty measured. It didn't take any silly risks. I mean, I think it was a really professional point. I mean, Michi Batshuayi burgled his usual two goals at the end of a game that he wasn't particularly brilliant in. You know, I mean, he sort of at the end, you know, did, did well with his finishes against a team that were, you know, his heads were down slightly. Um, you know, he's a little bit of an issue for me, Mishi. I mean, he's been given these opportunities to come out and shine. He's really done it for me yet. You know, I don't think he's a he's a young player with bags of potential. I want to see him kick on. I really do. And every time I see him play like that, which is with little presence, with you know, with a with a poor touch, with a little bit lumbering in the penalty area, it worries me a little bit. And then, you know, you look at his goals to games record, and it's amazing. It's because he bags two goals at the end of a game that doesn't really matter. You know. Yeah. Has that second goal been given to him now? Because oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, there was a, there. Was, it got turned into an own goal, didn't it? I didn't know. Oh, yeah, it okay. got turned into an own right. goal, and then people were suggesting that actually maybe it wasn't right. It's been inconclusive, so I'd be I'd be interested to see what 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 happens there. But I mean, I I agree with you about Batshuayi. Um, he looks not a diss on him at all. You no. know, I, I think he's he, as I say, I think he's got bags of potential. Yeah. He's got everything. He's good in the air. You know, he's good on the ground. He's he's quick. He's physical. He's athletic. He's got all that stuff. He just needs to start stringing it together in games. And it, you know, it's kind of hard because he's a very different player to Morata. So everyone else is getting used to the way Morata plays, and then Batshuayi comes in, and again. He looks as though he really wants to run onto a ball. You know, he's he's like one of those give him a ball to chase. He looks so like he wants to go through with it and, and and run with the ball, as opposed to the way that it's really starting to pan out that Conte likes to play. Have a have a centre forward who can either head the ball, flick it on for people running past him, or hold it up and spread it wide. Again, that's not necessarily Morata's natural game, and it certainly doesn't look as though it's Mishi's natural game. So it, it must be hard when you come in though. Don't you think when when you've got to go out there and impress or you mentally you're feeling I, I think could, he tries to, too hard to impress and I yeah. think he's a little bit like a Labrador you know he runs around a lot he's got bags of energy but we just need to focus him a little bit you know when those chances come along he tends to be snatching at them a little bit and there were times when he's back to goal and or you know touch let him down he just couldn't quite put it together and you can see that it's there um, you know but we've had players before that have been like that and have developed into something special you know Drogba's first season the ball just bounced off him at every opportunity but and we say that time and time again on the podcast but you know ultimately it's really um, important that we stick with him that we support him you know but that we're also honest when he doesn't have a great game and I don't think he had a particularly great game so 
Right, we've just got to go for a word from uh, our sponsors, or maybe it's even me doing the word from our sponsors. The Chels is back for the season by Labbrooks. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Labbrooks will add another £20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.chelseapodcast.net. So the other things that, that were good to see was Eden Hazard. Yeah, nice to see him um, come on. I mean, I love the way he comes on in those games because he's so contemptuous of these smaller teams. You know, I remember when we, when we played Leeds in uh, League Cup and we, for the first time in ages and they brought him on as a sub and he banged a hat-trick in or two goals, two goals or a hat-trick, I can't remember. But, you know, he sort of came on. It's like, you've made me come up here on a wet Wednesday night. I'm going to absolutely eviscerate you. And he just has this kind of, I'm going to destroy your careers kind of attitude when he comes on the pitch. It's like, I've left the box set for this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've come out on a Wednesday night for this, you know, so, you know, you've made me come on the pitch and now I'm going to destroy you. Um, and he does have that sort of haughty brilliance about him and, you know, and he's such a important and vital player for us that all these games where he's getting these run outs are, are really important, whether it's that game or Arsenal that we're going to come and talk about and presumably tomorrow night or in, in the uh, in the Nottingham Forest EDL Cup. So, um, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I, I would say one thing about EFL. EFL EDL. Or not the Carabao EDL. Cup, not the, isn't it now? Is it not the English Defence League Cup? No, it's, no. no it's not. <laughs> What's it called? The EFL Cup? I don't know. I don't English think Football League. I thought League. it was Carabao Cup or is it? something. Oh, no, okay. Anyway, the League Cup. In the League Cup. Yeah, yeah the League <laughs> Cup. Yeah. But I, I'd say, interestingly, about Hazard, he strikes me as though he's slightly overplaying it at the moment. I thought this against Leicester. I thought it a bit against Carabag, and I thought it, you know, we'll talk about Arsenal later. In the fact that he looks as though he's so desperate to remind everyone else what they missed. He's almost taking on one too many players on. That, I th- yeah, I think that's probably just rustiness. Yeah, being I, out for I, a that's while. what I think. It's interesting, though, because, you know, you see him do things and you go... How did he just do that? And and everyone else switches on. You know, William switches on or Pedro switches on. When they play with him, I think they up their game a lot of the time. And yeah. I think there's all this interplay that goes on. But he's he's just got to remember, every now and then, you just give that direct pass and yeah. then go. And, I, you know, it's lovely to see him back on a pitch because... Don't forget, we were we were led to believe that he wasn't going to be anywhere near the side till October or yeah, so. Yeah, no, so you know he's he's done really incredibly well to be out there and 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 playing. I think you know any any elite footballer, which is all of Chelsea's squad, who can't put a performance in against a team like Carabag in the Champions League. You know, there's got to be something wrong, isn't it? And I think it was all done pretty much at a canter. Yeah, I'm always interested in the crowd at these games. It seems that a lot of the regular supporters don't go to these games. You know, they give their no, they, t- they give their tickets up to tourists and you know, and and people that come along and hold up their iPhones and, and all that kind of stuff. Rather than watch know, all, the all that game. nonsense, you know. And, get, and then they, you know, everybody's desperate to get into the Champions. League. Oh, you know, Champions League places, Champions League, and when the games are played, they don't bother going. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point because for me, I think there's something quite exciting seeing teams you've never heard of and going away to games, which you know, I, I was leading into the fact that you're going to Baku. I am. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wonderful because that for me is what football's about, is going to these places. Not just going to, oh, I went to Milan or I went to Barcelona or I went to Bayern Munich, you know. 
which it's are all, all great. About learning I mean, stuff. They're, 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 I mean, they're fantastic because you get to go to some of the greatest stadiums in the world to see, you know, some of the most storied teams in the world. You know, to test you. I mean, we've had some brilliant times. You and I have yeah. been to Barcelona. We've been to Madrid. It's been brilliant. But you know, when you get an opportunity to go, to you've had some like, very cheap meals with me in Barcelona. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, that's another story. But um, you know, when you get a chance to go to you know places like Azerbaijan, you never go to Azerbaijan ordinarily. No. No. You know, so you know, people turn around and go, "You're doing a six thousand mile right round trip to watch Chelsea play a pub team," but that's not that's not what it's, it's about. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we, I think that the Champions League is an adventure. Yeah. I think the League Cup is an adventure. We'll come on and we'll talk about you know Nottingham Forest and people will turn around and go, "Oh, I can't be bothered. It's a reserve game." But you get to see players that you wouldn't ordinarily see. You get to see, you know, young. Play, hopefully young players or you know fringe players come in and, and play that you wouldn't do to me that's really exciting it's always exciting I love the League Cup and I love the early stages of the Champions League but it's it's seen it's seen as a little bit beneath a lot of football fans I don't get it no I, I agree with you and I think it's a real shame you know some of the the best nights I've had are, are, are the experience of you know going somewhere having a meal seeing a city you've never seen before and what have you and you're in it together you know and then you go in for that 90 minutes and and you've got no idea what it's going to be like you don't know how well it's like azerbaijan what are the crowd like do they have certain chance to you know you'll learn that you know some of these places you go and it's just incessant the noise you know it might be a really quiet game you it's the unknown that's what makes it exciting yeah it is and and i, I just think that um you know, there's a certain there's a certain type of football fan that thinks the football you know begins and ends with the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, you know, and occasionally the FA, the romance of the FA Cup, and and actually I think there's a lot there's a lot to be enjoyed about other competitions, even though you might sneer at the early stages. I mean, it's when Liverpool, you know, Liverpool, you know, um, when when they you know were so pleased about being in the Champions League, but played a reserve team against Real Madrid. What's the point? You know, what's the point? You're in the competition. You play it. Go and play it. You know, you're, you you know you, you you've spent the last year out of the Champions League as Chelsea did. Now you're back in it. Go yeah. to the games. Yeah. What's I, the matter with you? I agree. I, I don't get it when people. Mo- about competitions it, that is why we pe- we watch football for, to see your team try and win something and it, you know what it's like look the community shield it means nothing if you don't win it and it means something if you do win it's the it. ultimate Mickey Mouse Cup but it's, but, I mean, it's but a bit of fun you, at the beginning of the season if you lose it you don't care no. if you win it you go yes we won that that's one down you know it's that kind of mentality winning things is always a good thing it does something it does mm. something for the mentality does something for the fans it does something for, for, for the team and I think you know taking part in competitions is what football's about not just about trying to get your highest place in the premiership and then you get the prize money money means a lot now in football but surely you've got to be playing for the pride of the cups and things and I just think, you, I just think it's every opportunity I get to watch players in blue shirts run around I'm going to take it frankly yeah exactly yeah. I, no I agree and, and what is it seven games in 21 days we're, we're yeah. in the middle of now yeah, so absolutely. you know it, it's interesting and uh, so yeah the, the last word on Carabag, I suppose um was there any surprises for you? Did you learn anything you didn't know or was it just a good warm-up exercise? I learned that we were it's a sort of a, it's a double-edged word uh, saw this word is it, I thought I, I, I learned that we're very professional in those situations that you know Conte didn't make the mistake of putting out a load of kids that he played a strong team that he annihilated the opposition that he absolutely belt and braced that game and said every single game we are going to we are going to approach in a very professional and very pragmatic manner to to win essentially and I think that you know that's going to be the story of our season is that there are not going to be any situations where you know in past previous managers have really taken their foot off the gas and he doesn't want to do that you know and I I, I think that that was good that we were focused enough to put in that performance against the team pub team but a good pub team 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with you, and I think I think it augurs well, and I think you know we're we're in a good position now. We've got goals, and yeah, we haven't learned anything new, but so be it. Mm. So anyway, we should just go for a quick commercial break, and we'll be back to discuss Arsenal after that. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. And here we are, back for the second half, and we've been in, in, well, we've been joined by he who has run with one gammy leg. He's on his bloody phone now. He's on his phone. Only because I'm getting ready for what I'm going to talk about. Oh, what, you got stuff to say? What, Twitter? <laughs> when, when I get my breath back, I ran 100 metres. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you're in for it now for the rest of the rest of the show. It's been brilliant so far. Can I say it's been the best half hour we've ever had? I can imagine Andy just having a go at himself. No, Andy was being lovely, polite, really interesting, and now you're here. You, you'll probably lower the tone, won't he? Don't you think, Andy? He's already lowered the tone. He has. He has. Well, you know, that's. That, anyway, I do apologise. It's the fault of the uh, the NFL, the wrong kind of football. Yeah, well, there you go. Don't take those jobs. It's better to be penniless than just Chelsea blue. So, yeah, so we're, we're going to get on to the Arsenal game now. Um, and it was an interesting thing because we talked about how the game was going to be and how, you know, Arsenal weren't going to be able to match us. I think Gary was very persistent in I his was. opinions of... How we we're going to smash them, smash them, and then <laughs> four nil, and then Conte let me down. I think that had he started um, a five-man midfield with Bakayoko, and I think it would have been a different story. But well, should we let Andy tell us yeah. the teams? Because I'm sure you've probably got them, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, so no real surprises apart from Fabregas. I think you know. So we had Courtois in goal. Azpilicueta, Louise uh, Cahill coming back after his ban. Uh, Moses and uh, Alonso as fullbacks. Kante and Fabregas as a two in midfield um, with Pedro, Morata and William starting. So 3-4-3, classic um, sort of Conte uh, formation really. Um, and, you know, I think that I was surprised not to see Bakayoko start because I thought he would start with muscle in midfield. I genuinely think he underestimated Arsenal. And I think that he thought Fabregas would get a lot more time and space and would be a creative quarterback. And uh, I think, you know, much as it pains me, you've got to give a little bit of credit to Arsenal for the game plan they set out, which was to, you know, play a very un-Arsenal-like performance, sit a little bit, you know, stodge the midfield up, you know, work hard in midfield, play on the counter which is very unlike them and um, and I think that it was ultimately with a little bit of hindsight an error to play Fabregas instead of Bakayoko or not to play Fabregas as Gary said in the midfield five yeah I, I'd agree I mean for me you, you know I, I, I'm still surprised that uh, Fabregas played 90 minutes let alone you know not getting hoiked off after an hour or whatever um how did you see it, Gary? I mean, because it did go against everything you'd talked about. Um, yeah, it did, um, which was surprising because you see Conte, he un- I think he, underst- he understands that, that when Chelsea lost uh, 3-0 at the Emirates last year and then they played him back in February, he made changes. Obviously, in the games that sat in between that anyway, that, um, you know, that when, when they came to play Chelsea in February, they completely played him off the park. But not so much with the football, but with the physicality as well. And even down to the, um, you know, I don't like seeing players getting concussed, but the endeavour and the um, the desire from Alonso to score that header when Bellerin, you know, got, got injured. You know, you, you could see that, that that team was ready for it. Whereas on, on, on Sunday, it was just, it was a subdued performance from everyone. And I don't think they, 
did he underestimate them? I think he tried to play it tactically where he thought by having too much power in there would stop the, the football that Chelsea could play. And therefore he played Fabregas. But I think that it's just showing that Fabregas, I think he's an incredible player, but he's a player that has to be indulged. And that isn't a, a negative on Fabregas, but I think that even when he played in that Barcelona side, uh, you know, even the, the 2012 um, semi-final against us when he hit the bar at Stamford Bridge, that he, he played a little bit further forward where Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets are in that midfield. And Fabregas... He was the false nine. Yeah, but then at times when, you know, obviously you had Messi and um, I think Sanchez was there then, wasn't he? But yeah, he was, of course, because Terry got sent off against him. But I think that you'd see him that he would float he, he, and he's good at floating and he hasn't got the pace. Of, he needs time and space. Yeah, yeah he, he does. But the way he plays is that he's like sharing them in midfield. You know, Sheringham used to play for England and it was this player that could play, you know, slow the game down but then speed it up real quick with just a, you know, a quick look. And I think that affected Chelsea where Xhaka had a better game than, I think, well, one of the best games in an Arsenal shirt and Ramsey played a certain way. I thought Ramsey was very good. And look, I, 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 I'm not down on Fabregas at all. I think he's a brilliant player and a brilliant player for us. But I just think he's effective in certain games and ineffective in others. And I don't know yeah. ineffective. And I don't think he was But I think going into that game, in he, he, it was set up there is a game that if you say Fabregas is going to be effective... It's one of those games you'd expect him to be effective if in. If it was a midfield five, well, yeah, it, yeah, it, not. Well, that, that's it was, what we're saying about when yeah. he, he needs to be indulged. Yeah, you do but need not, to have not that. when he's playing like he was last season yeah, sure. as as one of a holding two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but also, I think the point was he just thought that Arsenal would not play that way, and Fabregas, as you said earlier, would have the time and space and be able to ping it. You know, everything we've seen in the last few weeks: Williams on fire. You know, Pedro's been on fire. Morata's knocking them in with his head. Everything was not geared up. And it, what was interesting, that game, for the first 17 minutes or so, we were fantastic. No, we bossed it. All those little flicks around the corner from William were coming off, all the passes, the interplay. And then Welbeck got that header, which he missed. But something happened from then on. Mm. And Arsenal just suddenly went, oh, actually, we could get something out of this. Well, there was a couple of things that I think were, were, were really fundamental. One is the continuing inability to distribute the ball from goal kicks. Yeah. You know, or to or, or from the goalkeeper's hands, which you is know, something we spoke about after Leicester. We did, and you know, and the the inability of Courtois and the back four to come up with a way of getting that ball forward, which allowed uh, Arsenal to press high up the pitch, which, yeah. which stopped us getting the ball forward, and meant that we, you know, after that seventeen minutes, they managed to to put a kind of full press on us, yeah. and it was very difficult for us to to do that. The other thing, of course, was Pedro getting a, getting clattered, um, and you know, and and effectively having to go off at half time um, and you know we, we talked about the chance that Pedro had at the end of the game and you know whether that was a, a you know a, a factor, a, a, a factor injury, in yeah. you know in, in the fact that he didn't take it maybe as, as, as clinically as he might have done um, but I think those two things particularly um, you know allowed Arsenal to, to, to execute their game plan which was to kind of just stodge the midfield up essentially and be steely which is something we are not used to but, from Arsenal I mean they've, they've, they fought for it what, what they did which I was impressed with and nobody expected it, is how deep they were. Yeah. And they learned their lesson from Liverpool. And, you know, Wenger gets the criticism, rightly so at times, that he doesn't learn his lessons and all the rest of it. Sorry, I'm not having good form here, am I? Yeah, that was Gary's phone. phone but, you know, um, I, think, I think he learned his lesson where he, he knew that Chelsea had the pace to get in behind. So they sat deep, they soaked it up, and they did a classic away performance where they hit Chelsea on the break they had the players to hit Chelsea on the break and they did it effectively and 
I think that you apart have to from the them. time when Pedro got in behind them. Yeah, yeah, which, which was them almost getting ahead of themselves when they were in a dominant period of that half, and then it sort of swayed the game back into Chelsea's favour. But I said to you, I think after forty minutes, this has got nil-nil written all over it, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You and, know, and it, it just felt like a nil-nil game. It didn't look like there was going to be any real. Op- I mean, unless somebody was going to come up with a moment of pure magic from thirty yards, yeah. I couldn't see. You needed with a the way of- the two defenses were playing, yeah. I couldn't see how somebody was going to get time and space to create something. Okay, so I mean, you mentioned defence. Let, let's move on to the defence. I was talking to Mr. Rick Glanville today, and he was saying that. Um, so, who did they have up? front they had um Welbeck um, uh, be and Lacazette and, and Lacazette mm. and he was saying what he thought was interesting was they put um Welbeck on um uh, as Piliqueta when they were going forward right on him they put Lacazette right on Luis and Iwobi, they kept him at a distance from Cahill and were trying to get the ball over him or around him, consequently making Gary Cahill not really have anyone to mark mm. other than space. And he said that seemed to be a problem for Cahill. Um, we also talked about the fact that, you know, Gary still gets a coating from a lot of fans, which I think personally is un- unjustified. Um, but it may not have been one of his better games. But I think, you, you know, th- this whole Cahill thing is coming to a head again isn't it doesn't help does it it doesn't doesn't help and i think that i mean you were quite shocked to hearing him getting a slag in all the time in the matthew harding yeah well he gets it everywhere yeah it does it's not it's not um you know i just think it's lazy cahill seems to become a lightning rod for it and i think it's it is unjustified and i think that he's exactly one of those players that if he went you'd seriously miss him yeah, I mean, you've got. I know you've got. You're going to try and outstat Andy here because you've got. I was some... pulling out my phone, um, but just just on the point that Rick makes, I don't think that was a a case of targeting Cahill. Right. I think what I was doing was hoping that they would draw Cahill up so that Bellerin could get in behind, and that's what he was doing so much on Alonso. But isn't that targeting Cahill? I don't then? think because it is. Well, I think what it is, it's targeting an area of the pitch, and I think even if Rudiger played. They would have done the same. They would have done the same thing because their their tactic was that to get Bellerin in behind Alonso and expose that pace of Bellerin's. And Bellerin did it time and again. They did it very well. Yeah, they did. And I don't think it's a case of and I, and this is what we were saying earlier that I don't think that they could bank their money on Cahill starting. I don't think anyone could. Um, you know the way Rudiger's played, he can he's right to feel aggrieved that he that he got dropped because. You know, I, f- I think we might have said it last week that not because Cahill was a bad player, but Cahill has got a job on his hands to keep his place in that team because Rudiger started so well. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that's not to say that Cahill's worthless or anything. It's just the case. You know, it's a fact that Rudiger started well. He settled in better than people were expecting. And I don't think any of us around this table are blind Cahill acolytes. You know, I mean, no, he, has to f- he has to fight for his place. And I would agree with you. I think Rudiger's got a very good shout yeah. to be a starting player ahead of him. Yeah, he looks Absolutely. Like a player. But I just don't think it, I don't think it's helpful or appropriate to cope Cahill in the, in the way that he's been. That, that yeah. I think that's the point. So. Yeah. So if you if you give me the floor for about sixty minutes, then I'll uh, okay. I'll, I'll over finish. to you. We're but, now so, going out. Andy, aren't we going for a bit of dinner? <laughs> <laughs> but but my, my point was on after the game is that um, I, I came out of the press press box into the press room and I just started, you know, just looking up hashtags, you know, like the CFC hashtag to get a reflection of what fans were saying. Not my I, captain. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe the the outrage at Chelsea getting a draw against Arsenal of all teams. You know that, that Chelsea got this divine right to be beating them. I know I was in here being brash and. You know, being an idiot saying we've beaten 4-0, but well, if we'd done it tactically my way... It's the first time we've drawn a home game under Antonio Conte. And without scoring in 27 yeah, as well. Exactly. Um, 
So the point is, is that... Oh, that was a right stat off yeah. between you two there. Whoa. It's about to get hot. I'll tell no, you, but, I'm loving it. Well, the last time we fell to net in a competitive game at Stamford Bridge was in April 2016 against Man City under Gus Hiddink 29 games ago. Aguero got a hat-trick. Oh, look at that. Hey, come on. So, um, was it 5-0 that game? Something like that, wasn't it? Um, anyway, so, so back to Cahill. Is that, what, what, was, what astounded me was that somehow he became the full guy for a goalless draw. And what, what I found interesting is that in the three games that he's missed since his red card against Burnley, which was completely justified, completely his own fault, um, you know, people saying, oh, now we're winning matches and we've had clean sheets and we've done this and we've done that. And then suddenly Chelsea don't score with Cahill in the team and Cahill's getting criticised and he's being made the full guy for Chelsea not scoring goals. But at the same time, the same people that are criticising him because Chelsea didn't score, the same people saying that I personally couldn't make excuses for him when he scored goals that won matches or got Chelsea back into matches last season. So it's a flawed argument on their part. But then what I did yesterday is I just thought I'd look at it, you know, look at the stats because I think that stats can be distorted and you can talk about, you know... um, Never. Yeah, you can talk about expected goals or you can talk about, you know, the amount of, um, you know, even on match of the day too. Another thing that Kerry and I discussed was that Sesk outside of Ramsey, was it, covered the most ground. Yeah. And stats have got to have a context. Yeah. And and I think that for a defender, (gasps) for a defender, if you look at the fundamentals of what defending is, that you can look at the stats, you can tell whether a player's had a good game or a bad game. And I don't think Cahill was completely world-class or outstanding, but he wasn't bad either. So these are the stats that... um, so this is just, if anyone wants to follow me on social media, at Gary Hayes, two hours on Twitch, and you can follow this on my, on my feed. So Chelsea played three defenders uh, in the nil-nil draw of Arsenal. And these are the stats that how they performed defensively. So we're talking about Azpilicueta, Cahill and David Luiz. So passing, Cahill gets criticised and it's been memed all over social media. The awful back heel he did to Alonso, it was, it was comical, it was that bad. But that's what people were using against him one moment in 90 minutes, right? So passing, Azpilicueta, 83% success rate. Cahill, 81. David Luiz, who was regarded as the best player on the pitch, 78%. Okay? Ariel Jules, 1. Azpilicueta, 75. David Luiz, 33. Gary Cahill, 100%. Did not lose an Ariel Jewel in the entire game. That's a defender that's had a bad game, apparently. Okay, then we move on to interceptions. Azpilicueta, 0 Cahill, two. David Luiz, six. Now, what that says to me, as a player who's playing as the libero, David Luiz is doing his job because he's there to mop up. Players, you know, two-on-one defending. David Luiz is coming in, he's doing his job. And you've got defenders and Cahill and Aspilicueta. If you understand football, you can see why they're not making as many interceptions as David Luiz. Okay, clearances. Aspilicueta, six. Gary Cahill, six. David Luiz, two. Again, the libero's not making those clearances. He's making interceptions, all the rest of it. Okay, fouls committed. Aspilicueta, one. David Luiz, too, gets sent off. Gary Cahill, not one foul in 90 minutes. Not a zero foul. So what that tells me is that he's well positioned. He's not being reckless after he got his red card against Burnley. And also, he's a defender that when they're not making fouls, it means they're not diving in. So he's a defender who's doing the classic, staying on his feet. Right? But again, he had a bad game. Devil's advocate, though. There is a certain fan that will turn around and go, if he's not committing fouls, he's not doing his job. He's not getting tight enough. He's not getting stuck <laughs> yeah. in, Gary. But, but then you can say that, but then you look at the, uh, the interceptions and the clearances and you can say that he is. So, you know, it, it backs it up. And then, blocks made. Azpilicueta 2, Cahill 1, David Luiz 1. Okay, so w- what those stats are is that it shows that Cahill, in certain areas of the game, excelled over Azpilicueta and David Luiz. But equally, David Luiz did his job the way he should be. Azpilicueta did. So what you saw is three defenders that performed well across a unit that... Voila, you know, the miracle, they, they produced a clean sheet. 
and that is what clean sheet defensive is. You know, defending is. You look at those stats and it's players that are doing their job and Cahill did his job. Yeah. And then also as well, just, just to continue, because um, you know, the, point, the point I was making is that stats can, you know, I, I, could, I could be cooking the book slightly with the stats, right? But then you go and look at Cahill's heat map. Now, what the heat maps tell you about players, it tells you whether you know, where the, the hottest parts are or where they're involved in the game more. And therefore it tells you where they're having the most impact. Dav, uh, Gary Cahill, obviously it's a podcast, I can't get the illustration up. Describe the colours. Well, you look at the colours and da- uh, Gary, Gary Cahill on the left side of the fence in and around the 18-yard box is where he was red hot. And that is what you want from a player in the back three on the left-hand side. And also as well, on the criticism of his passes, if you go, again, go onto my, my feed and you'll see, I've got all these stats from Squawker who are fed by Opta, who are the industry standard. So this isn't some, you know, two Bob stats man from, you know, the West End doing this. You know, this is stuff that Sky Sports use. And you look at the passes that Gary Cahill made. He was accused of lofting the ball long and exposing Morata. Go and look at the passes, the successful passes that he was making. And very few long balls were exposing players. And because you, you'll see it, it's simple, a simple code. Green for successful, red for unsuccessful passes. And the unsuccessful passes he made were going out wide to Alonso on the majority. The most of the successful passes he made were attacking positive passes, going in the middle to Fabregas and getting the game started. So when people criticise him and say that he didn't get the game started and it was his fault, I think what you need to do is point the finger at the midfield. But equally, that's not me naming and shaming Fabregas and Kante. I think what that is is a good performance from Arsenal and Arsenal seeing where Chelsea are a threat, stopping Chelsea from playing football in the middle, okay, and then stopping the ball, getting forward to to Morata, Pedro and Willian and stopping those players from being effective because as any coach is worth his paycheck will tell you the way to stop Morata from scoring headers stop the ball getting put into the box and what did Arsenal do they put Danny Welbeck on Azpilicueta and what was he doing all the time blocking crosses from deep and putting pressure on Azpilicueta so to blame Gary Cahill for Chelsea not scoring a goal is absolutely ridiculous and since I put those tweets out I've had people sending me videos of stuff that you know this guy thinking he'd schooled me somehow because he'd showed some um, highlight reels in isolation of what happened in the game and it's just ridiculous. It's like moments, you know, the, the back heel, yeah, it was comical, it was stupid. But then you could point any player out for having made a mistake on, in, in the game on Sunday. And then the guy had the temerity to show the Leroy Fergal from the Swansea game last season when Cahill was fouled. And, yeah, exactly. And yeah. the referee should have given the foul. Andre Mariner should have given the foul. So that's not bad defending, that's bad refereeing. So I think people need to go out there, understand football a little bit, no, seriously, understand football a little bit and then come back and start having engaged conversations and actually understand what they're talking about rather than you know, going off the handle, you know, spouting a whole load of bile on social media and thinking they're getting somewhere with it. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. And therefore, yeah, I am worth the money and paid as a journalist. And if you've got a debate, come to me and we'll see if you're right. But you're not going to put up a decent argument against that. Hey, so, I love it. No, I love and it's true. It's, it's brilliant, completely Gary. true. Gary, brilliant. 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 I mean, so if brilliant. anyone wants to know why I write about football, that's why I write about football. Brilliant, I, don't mind, I don't mind being arrogant for a moment because I can back it up. I love it, man. I love it. That was Fantastic. great. That was really good. That was, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed with that. It was yeah, really good. Um, I'm I'm glad you were late now. There you go. Because if you'd have been here the whole time, I'd never let you get away with all of that because it wouldn't have been the time. But I'm with you. Good one. So, okay. So the the other issue for me, (laughs) which is actually, I think, an interesting one. We've been to climax now. Yeah, I know. And we're going to drag this one out. I've got, what, 19 minutes to fill up with my diatribe. (laughs) What's annoying me most? I I think there's there's been, and we talked about this, Gary, um, about the fact that 
often journalists sort of get a common cause together, don't they? And a narrative. Go a narrative together. And this weekend's narrative is one that goes and flies in the face of what's happened the last few weeks. I'm talking about Maratta and the fact that a lot of journalists have now said, oh, you know, without Costa, they don't have the devil up there. You know, if they'd have had Costa, they'd have probably won that game. Maratta doesn't have that about him to give him a bash or give him a dig. And you think, well, hold on. Maratta has looked like a man who is learning week by week what he has to do. Yeah, he may not have had the best game against Arsenal this weekend, but also he didn't have a great deal of support from William and Pedro in the same way that he had the last. Yeah, few he weeks. was feeding on scraps, and here's, yeah. here's what would have happened if Costa would have played. Forty Red minutes card. in, he would have started sulking. He would have started getting really cross, really frustrated, really angry. Would have started really, um, you know, becoming. Uh, cross with everybody around him um, would probably picked up a yellow card and would have faded out the game would have been easy, made himself easy to mark by, by Arsenal that was not the kind of game that Costa would have thrived in No, I it just wasn't and, Arsenal you know, didn't I think play Mar- the way that he likes them no, to play but that's what I'm saying. kept it together yeah. but I think Morata you know it's a very strange thing this sort of pack mentality oh you know he's not quite up to it I think Morata has shown me immediately that I think he's going to be a very classy and a very legendary number nine for us I think he's got attributes there and the way he's changing his game week by week and learning okay he has to learn things you know people were moaning about the fact that you know he would go down and think it was a foul and look round and can't believe it's not a foul yeah he's going to get used to that but that's what happens you know let's not forget he's come from a league where you get slightly looked at and you fall over and get a foul you know he's got to learn stuff for me I don't have a problem with him I think I think he's he's going to be fine what do you think Gary yeah I I think the the criticism of uh, Morata in that sense as well you know comparing him like for like with Costa is that suddenly Costa was being praised for the very things that he gets you know criticism um, for yeah, yeah. That he gets criticised for that he is too aggressive and that he's this liability and you know we saw that I know uh, Paulista wasn't playing because I think he's gone now hasn't he did he go back to Valencia mm. um but you saw two years ago when, when we beat them um, 1-0 or 2-0 when it was in, in you know Jose was in the throes of his meltdown and he got um, he got Gabriel sent off in that game but then subsequently got a ban based on the um, the footage from behind the goal from ESPN Brazil and that's what would have happened him yeah. and, and it was that's the same I mean. game where yeah. him and Koscielny you know clashing and Koscielny was trying it with Morata Morata just didn't rise to it now that doesn't mean Morata's a better player than Costa in any sense but Chelsea suddenly get a striker who is playing the way that people say Chelsea should have had a striker playing and suddenly it's not good enough. Games like that, games like that that are ultra tactical, that are ultra game planned, that are, you know, executed well by the opposition. What you don't do in that is throw a hand grenade in the middle of it. You have to outthink it. You have to work it out. You have to figure it out, be cleverer, be quicker, be faster, not just start a fight in the middle of it because all that does is play exactly into the opposition hands. An opposition that's sitting back and soaking it up makes it easy to mark a player like Costa. It wouldn't yeah. have worked, so it's a lot of bollocks, frankly. And, and, and just quickly as well. Is <laughs> oh, the, look, you just want to get on your horse and all. <laughs> no, it's just a lot of horse riding nonsense. You know, and, and I think that you know, it's really important you know, to point out as well that people were also coating Moses, they were also po- coating William as well. And it's like, you know, give it a rest. Can I just ask, what's going to happen when we start losing some games? No, God, I mean, we're, we're not the thing in is a bad as well, just in, in the media and fans in general, in that. English teams go into the, into the Champions League. They look defensive, defensively naive and they get criticised for it. 
And rightly so. You know, you look and you think, this is embarrassing sometimes, you know, what goes on defensively with teams, even in the Europa League at times. And then suddenly two teams play where they've got a centre defensive now. You know, and again, I hold my hands up. I, I embarrassed myself last week by saying, oh, Koscielny's a donkey. Because he had an absolutely incredible game yeah, him on and Sunday. Mustafi, very good. Yeah, they, they, and, yeah, I, I and, and they looked very strong together. And you know, Monreal playing in Cahill's position on their yep. back three, he, he looked very good. He didn't look like this. You know, I don't know what they had fed him before the game, but they looked players that were determined and they didn't want to get turned over. And they, they played a very good game. Are you saying something illegal happened before <laughs> the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, journalist states, uh, but you know, I mean, I, I think okay. It, look, you know, you know, for me, I, I think we came up against an Arsenal side that played really well. Actually, at the end of the day, nil nil was the right result for well, that game. We should also and talk about David Luiz. I was just going to say, yeah. what about Luis? I mean, for for a man who had, I'd said to you, didn't I? About a few minutes before, I said, Luis for me has been our man of the match. He's brilliant. He's yeah. been fantastic. And then he went and did that, and it was like one of those you could see it. That, you oh, know, I think we all just said red. Soon yeah, as it happened, didn't even have to see it. Just a red. It must be right in front of you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And. Um it was funny because the, the Arsenal press team sit, was sat behind where I was and I thought I was in the, well, I would say I thought I was in Emirates, but I know it's silent. Um, but yeah, they were effing and blinding about the tackle. And then when you saw it on the replay, yeah, it was an out and out red. But what is funny about it, just looking at it from you know, a journalist's perspective, is that in the programme, I don't know if anyone's read it, but he's got, he was the main interview. And what's he saying? I've got the right mentality for these games. I know I can't play an emotion anymore in these games. And then bang, 90th minute, there you go. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's annoying because... He's going to miss Stoke City Palace. Yeah. Well, no, 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 he's going to miss Forest. Oh, does so, it yeah. count? I didn't thought yeah, that yeah, didn't no, count. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So he'll miss... Um, I didn't realise that He'll counted. miss Forest, Stoke and City. But right, City okay. is the big concern. But then yeah. equally, what's encouraging is that, you know, Conte came out and he's talking about uh, Christensen yeah, and he's, back to him, isn't he's, he? he's gonna he's gonna give him his chance and all the rest of it and, and that's, that's, another, oh, that's, that, that's another thing as well actually I, just just quickly just back to this defensive debate can people please stop saying that Cahill is going to lose his position to Christensen you don't understand football if you're saying that he is <laughs> seriously because Christensen is not a left-sided centre-back he is going to play through the middle and his competition is David Luiz and yeah. now David Luiz is out it could be that Luiz comes back and he's got a fight in his hands to, to take the place yeah. of Christensen which I hope happens not because I've got anything against Louise, it's that it means that Chelsea have got five solid defenders then. It means competition's happening and competition breeds people concentrating on what they've got but, to do during the game. But also on the red card thing, we've got as many red cards in the last five Premier League games, three, as we had in our last 73. Yeah. So, you know, we have got to get a handle on this on this in discipline. Three yeah, and three I mean, against Arsenal as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. It is embarrassing. It, it, well, Arsenal, you remember for, for many years, Arsenal were a bugbear to us and they started proving a bit of a pain to us again. Mm. And, you know, but yeah, I, I think Conte's got to have a look at it and say, look, come on. I mean, that, that Luis, okay, Cahill's one, you can, you can sort of say, okay, I can see how that happened. First game of the season, a little bit ring rusty, overstretches, Luis's one is different. He knows he's gone too far. He knows he can slide as much as he like. He is never going to get that ball. And he should just not have done it because he was the one, when we were under pressure in that first half, he was the one when people were going mad about us not clearing it, who just suddenly thump it, just straight. That one when he he hit it into the East Stand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Into and the West Stand. Out of the ground, and, 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 into the top Yeah, not East Stand, West Stand. And it nearly went out of the ground. You know, that was what he was doing. He was going, you know what? 
will do this because also he knows that our ball boys are useless at that ground. Imagine if Kale had done that again. You know, I mean, everybody yeah. went, oh, you're yeah. a bloody idiot. But yeah. if it had been Kale, it would have been writing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So but, it does show you the level of, of projection um, that's going on. But why do we only play with one ball at the ground? Because we had to wait for that to come down. There are no ball boys who do anything. We had a ball boy for you're a while. Even a pop at the ball boys. Yeah, I am actually, I guess. Well, because he's just sitting around. Players. He thinks he's Hazard, doesn't he? He's going to start kicking them soon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. He didn't actually kick him. <laughs> are we done with Arsenal? Yeah, I think we are. Can I run through the, the, the youth quickly? Yeah, do the youth lock, and then we'll have go. a quick roundup and right. predictions. Okay, so the, de- the development squad uh, drew 2-2 two, two at home against Man United in the Premier League 2 last night. Their next match is away to Leicester on Friday. The under-19s, which is our European squad, uh, and they mirror the Champions League games that the senior squad play. They uh, beat Carabag 5-0 at Cobham last Tuesday. Their next match is away to Atletico Madrid on Wednesday, the 27th of September. So good start to their European campaign. Uh, the under-18s uh, four-game winning run came to an end on Saturday when they drew 1-1 with Blackburn. They're away to Swansea in the next game this coming Sunday. And the ladies' season starts on Sunday, the 24th, with their first league fixture against Bristol City at home at the King's Meadow Stadium in Kingston-upon-Thames. That's the AFC Wimbledon ground. Uh, 12.30pm start, six quid for adults, three pound for juniors. You can buy a season ticket for just 42 quid. Game is also being shown live on the BBC. Excellent. Come on, Chels. Okay, so uh, we should just quickly have a look. Forest coming up. Um, it will be the youth team. I, I think Musonda might finally get a run out after his tweeting of the shirt and everything. And he thought, oh, he's going to be appearing last week. Obviously got his weeks wrong. It should be a should be a simple open and shut case, shouldn't it, tomorrow should night? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if we didn't put in another strong professional performance against them. I don't think it'll be that week. I don't think it'll be a reserve side. I still think we'll see some senior players. Do you think out. Hazard will play? I think Hazard he will. is talking about. Yeah, yeah I think he will because it, it would be a very good last bit of his rehab before the Stoke game on Saturday yeah, where, we, where we absolutely need to have Where they it. will test whether his ankle's yeah. well, okay. Well, Ryan Shawcross coming back, yeah. you know, specifically to kick Hazard off the pitch, I think. Yeah. But no yeah. Kurt Zuma for them on Saturday. But um, Who's been having a very good season. Yeah, looks yeah. all right. But yeah. here's another player that is apparently going to, you know, usurp Cahill. And if they, you think Cahill's passing's bad, look at Zuma. But re- regardless, I know I'm, I'm nitpicking now, just being an idiot. But I think um, just, just hey, looking at... we're used to that. <laughs> but, it was when, look, it, when look, all look, intelligence the Forest game, um, I haven't, because of my NFL stuff I haven't really followed what Conte was talking about today too closely but just judging on, on the way here looking at social media that um, you know like Naz and Liam uh, you know what I, what I was tweeting from the press conference that it seems that we might see um, Kyle Scott play which would be interesting Christensen at the back um, yeah Musonda so it should be interesting Zappacosta getting more time so. another game for Mishi yeah and I think he needs that as well yeah. um, we about which that, is a shame you? because I thought that going back to Arsenal momentarily they could have brought him on to be more, more of a battering ram and give Arsenal something different to think about but yeah it could have changed formation but so okay well we we know that it'll be a, a different side I'm really looking forward to seeing who's out there uh, predictions for it please 2-1 I think Forrest are, they're not doing that great this year but I think Warburton's a good manager and they do play some good football 4-0 I'm going to go 3-0 okay Okay, and then finally, just a quick look at Stoke. Well, we're all going, be- aren't we? We're all going to Stoke. Going to Stoke? No, I'm uh, for the next two weeks. Are you DIYing? I'm in, I'm in American football mode. Uh, yeah, of course you are. I'm yeah. at Wembley. Yeah. You, and, you and I are going. Yeah, we are. We are going to Stoke, so I'm looking forward to that very much. Um, I'll be back to normal. It'll be a tough game. Um, and I think, you know, we, we will have to play well to get the result up there. I don't think we'll concede. I think our defence looks really good. I don't think we'll smash it. I think 1-0. 
think it's the sort of game that they need after <clears throat> after the Arsenal game in the same way that when Arsenal got beaten by Liverpool playing think, Bournemouth was yeah. good for them and I think we rise to the challenge against these sides where Bakayoko's got to start you know, he's, and whether he goes for a four-man midfielder or a five, he's got to play Bakayoko and, and Kante. He's a name on the sheet at the start, isn't he? he yeah, now he is. I'd play him in that game. I'd, I'd never seen him in person until the Leicester game and then watching him against Carabag and then Arsenal, just seeing him glide past players. It's, yeah. it's SCN-esque. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, so prediction? prediction? 2 nil. I'm going to go 2-1. That's it. Thank you ever so much. Uh, very solid first half from Andy. Um, good second half from uh, Gary. And, you know, I was the complete all-rounder. You were the glue so, that held it all together. I was up. the glue, the super glue. Anyway, thanks for listening. We will see you when we'll have more points next week. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Sports Social Podcast Network.